Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Okay, he's, okay. he's in the room. He's in, he's in our little voice room here, but he's not here yet. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he went to do what people do before podcasts start. I don't know. Um, but also joining me is your co-host, uh, Hunt. Um, sorry, Spaz. Used to say Hunt. Sorry, I'm used to saying Hunter. Uh, Hunter, we're, we're not sure where he is either. Um, he's probably still mired in his move. So, uh, sadly, he's not joining us tonight. Unless he comes in late. I don't know. He's been having internet issues with his new place, too. So I'm hopefully- secretly here. Oh, yay. There's Jim. Your co-host, Jim. <laughs> yay. And uh, we have two guests for you tonight, folks. Joining us from Capitol Hill in Seattle. Did you? Is that what you said? Capitol Hill? That's correct. All right. I, I remembered that. Uh, Isaac Thanks. Aubrey uh, and David Quinn, the overworm and lead engineer, specifically. I mean, um, not specifically. Uh, what's the word? Um, precisely. Wait. Precisely. Those, that's what they are. At Blue Wizard Digital. I am so out of it. I'm sorry. Uh, Blue Wizard Digital. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. I almost said at the same time. That's adorable. Uh, <laughs> we are as one. We actually planned that. We- <laughs> are you really Zaphod Briebelbrocks with uh, with his two heads? Most of the time. <laughs> He's just this guy, you know? And uh, we're here to talk about your recently released into early access game, Space Tyrant, which hit early Ooh. access almost a week ago. Uh, it is currently on sale for was seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, yep, yep. Ten percent uh, uh, off uh, right now, and it yep. is. You, you guys are calling it a five X. Uh, the <laughs> extra X stands for exang- exanguinate. Exanguinate. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, just That's draining not- the blood from the universe like we do. That is a hard word to say, actually. <laughs> Zang- yeah, thank- we, thankfully, um, the Daleks of- don't run around like exsanguinate. No, that's no. <laughs> different doctor. Not my doctor. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, the, the last X is open to interpretation. I mean, if you want to throw a different X in there, you feel free. I like expedi- ex- wait, expedite. Expedite? There you go. Expedite. Expedite yeah. is one Expedited? Like. That actually works it's very well for this cool. game. So, folks, if you're not uh, sure what Space Tyrant is, it's basically... Uh, quick playing territorial space conquest fleet management and combat game that also yeah. uses cards. That is that a good? Would you say? Would you guys say that's a good description of your game? It, it, there's a lot going on there. It's I, it's funny when uh, you can uh, describing the game. Sometimes I feel like it, it does sound like a bunch of stuff just jumbled up but there's there's a very specific vibe going on that i, I think uh, where it all works out together pretty well but yeah. that, that, that sounds about right yeah, i would call it uh if i if i had to do like a soundbite thing i would say it's a, a distilled 4x with cards there you go that does work because there is uh expansion there's exploration there's definitely exploitation and there's severe extermination <laughs> severe uh. There's, yeah, there's, it's like it's so good that it actually loops around and becomes a Chinese knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I mean, you guys, you guys, <laughs> you probably, you've probably heard of the Explorminate site. Like I sure. would love to use the word Explorminate because it just fits so beautifully with this game. But but that's their word, and we're going to leave it alone. Yeah, but they'll license that out for cheap. They're they're kind of horse. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a good point. We might have to approach them about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's got all the X's in there, and uh, unlike unlike other four X's, though, you're strictly the bad guy here. There is no diplomacy. No culture, no uh, science victory, anything like that. You're just you're, you're just you the space to the ground. You're just the, you're just the space balls running around watching the universe burn, basically. Yes, uh, <laughs> and helping with it. Speaking of space balls, if you could somehow incorporate some truck nuts on the capital <laughs> ships, oh, that would be. Well, if you can see the underside of every ship, they've all got um, uh, different oh. colors, a wide array of, of metals, and different uh, rare things they've collected from dying populace of the universe. <laughs> well, that explains that clanging noise that I heard. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you just can't see it because the, the camera angle, unfortunately. So when did you guys uh, start working on this, and what was the impetus for the game? You know, you're going to laugh uh, because I was listening to your last podcast and you guys were lamenting over how many like Mutu clones there were. So many. Yeah. We're, so I, it's so, many. so many. And, and it's, it's kind of a shame because there, there, are, there are these Mutu clones that are good. You know, it's just there's so many of them that they're getting buried. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, that's the hilarious thing is that Space Tyrant is actually inspired by Mutu. Like, we originally... I know, exactly. It's like, oh, no. This is like, this is like Mutu in, in fidget spinner form. So, it's Mutu I think for the should, ADHD. That's basically what this... Yeah, I, I think you should actually incorporate that into the title somewhere. Like, Space Tyrant fidget spinner. And that, that will increase your... I'm sorry, that's been ranking. A, that's been a running joke for like the last four or five episodes. Is we got to get fidget spinners in there somewhere. <laughs> it's been running so hard that my wife bought me two of them. No, it's so highly it's quotable. Of, we'll probably ask for the rights to that at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's, dude, I got a subtitle for the game. I got a swank Batman fidget spinner, and what's nice is it's like really heavy. So if I had to defend myself with it, I could. Dude, I heard nice. of a guy cutting. Was you, was you that told me, or someone else told me that someone cut themselves with a with a batarang fidget spinner? Um, Jeez. maybe I believe it. Bum a superhero out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. Um, yeah. So uh, hilariously, yes, it was inspired by Mutu. But the crazy thing about it, you know, like talking about the the early development of the game is, you know, we came into it with that uh, with that inspiration, like, oh, Mutu is such a great game. You know, I re- I want to recreate something like that and do it in a better way. And, you know, about we started with that uh, concept and then about, I don't know, three, four months in, we all suddenly had this collective realization, you know, like one of us just said, you know what, I really don't want to play this game. I don't want to play Mutu anymore. Like it was fun for when it was, but it's not fun wow. anymore. Wow, well I done. Want, I want a streamlined experience. I want, I want something that's fast and fun and I don't have to sit and friggin' move this guy from this planet to do this one thing and whatever. Wait, wait. So you have you have space rabbits, and you have like bugs and some other stuff. I I think what needs to happen is like the boss at the end of the game is a space cow named Mutu. 
<laughs> and we <laughs> defeat you too. Uh, we can put a space we'll cow in there. I can imagine things that a space cow would fire at you as yeah. well. Ah. It would be it would be utterly devastating. Laser utters, oh, laser utters. That'd be amazing. Plasma utters, even better. Plasma utters. <laughs> oh my there's God. actually there's actually a space hamster on deck to come into the game at some point. Oh yeah, it's I love hamsters. Way. They're terrible pets, Not but I love them anyway. <laughs> so, had you guys played any other? Because when I think fast playing strategy games, there are a couple that come to mind for me. Uh, Space Word Ho and uh, 10 Minute Strategy. Both are very fast playing 4X-y, lighty type things. Had you played either of those before yeah, working? You're, you're bringing it back, man. Space Word Ho? Yeah. Did they remake that recently, or are you talking about the original? Uh, the Windows 95 version, 4.0. Yeah, man. Bringing it back. <laughs> Dude, I just, I don't, I, I haven't put them up yet, but I just tried to play a game from 1982 the other day, and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't freaking do it. It was terrible. Those were yeah. dark, dark times. So you didn't know any better. So yeah. oh my God. we did. It was it ran in basic, and if you typed the wrong thing, the whole game would break. Just break. Yes. Just stop. Just just yes. you, you type what in the you wrong get, thing, and you like you, you just yeah. It's what was that? I said that's what you get, eighties gamer. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, how did we play punishment. anything? Only punishment. He's so psyched for that new Atari box that's coming out. <laughs> it's attractive in its physical form. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, to, to, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we, I played both those games, and uh, it's nice. hilarious that you mentioned Space Word Ho because we, as a joke, one point for like a week or two, we put hats on all the ships. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, like top hats of different colors. Yes. Yes! We did take that well, out, that's, though. That's longer in the game. No, that's your monetization, that man. You, you put that on Steam, and then you get people yeah, trading you for hats and stuff. Yeah. 99 cents. That's it. Um, but yeah, yeah, we definitely... Uh, I mean, I haven't played Space Road Ho in, in ages. Um, but we did... Uh, so I would say there's probably like three main inspirations for this game. There was... Mutu was sort of the thing that originated it. And then we, we realized we wanted to switch directions and go for like a fast, you know, like a quick game. Then the things that inspired us uh, on that front were, yes, 10 minutes based strategy and uh, FTL. Both because they're like really good examples of like, you know, you can you can dig into those games like pretty, pretty heavily. But the actual like mechanical gameplay is so simple in both games. It really is. And I have to say for myself, uh, I want to thank you for not giving the ships and whatnot names. Because once you do that, I have to stop playing a game. I just like start feeling too much empathy. <laughs> and I'm like, nope. I'm done. Just watch your friend die. Over yeah, and over. I can't play FTL because like, no, not Jimmy John. So, Jimmy John, no. I can't do it. You need, do you need that spaceship there in five minutes or less? Call Jimmy John. I, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have that sandwich place. Or we do. We do. That was there yeah, solid. There it is. Sandwich ships. <laughs> but no, those are all really solid. I mean, who knew FTL would inspire so many people? You know? Just as a side I mean, note, yeah. I gotta say, what such an yeah. amazing... 
uh, like a like a flower that blossomed into all these other things that people were inspired by. Totally, I can't wait for their. Uh, they they announced their next game, but it looks like it's like years out. Yeah, it's a Some sort of like like mech fighting game. Or yes, something. it's like a mech open time, world top down with time travel. Yeah, well, it's got with time, time travel? travel involved. Oh my yeah. god, that's yeah. Amazing. I, I feel that you just got my attention. I hadn't heard about this, but oh next, yeah, their, oh. their next game is like a top down mech roguelike strategy game, apparently with time travel. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I'm yeah. See, they lost me at time travel though, because that's what's jacked up Star Trek so bad. So well, in this case, it's. <laughs> You're you're using time travel to fix your mistakes. Oh, so you can go so back and tell Star Trek not to do that. Well, you can change terrain and such. There's there's some odd stuff going along with that, but the time travel is involved with all of it. Uh, Merrick just said it's called Into the Breach. Thank you, Merrick. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. That's right. Uh, which I'm wondering if we're going to have Gypsy Danger and uh, Cherno Alpha as some of the mechs. You know, maybe call them Jaegers instead. Sorry. Um. <laughs> and if you're a pilot, you're a Jaegermeister. Oh. Yeah. That would be a sponsored by Jimmy Johns. <laughs> absolutely need that Mac in five minutes or less. Well done. Well done. We can get your Jaeger uh, to you know, in actually, five minutes or less. Sorry, go uh, I'm going to have bomb. Let me, let me throw another game name oh. out here, see if you guys recognize it. Uh, did any of you ever play uh, Star Chamber? Oh, yeah, but I saw a, the movie. That sounds really. <laughs> that sounds really familiar. Yeah, Star Chamber was a game. It was. It came out in the probably like late '90s space game, uh, like node based strategy. Uh, but then it was like its big deal was that it uh, it had cards, which for the time was very rare. Not ringing any bells. Not a one. Hang on. Heard of these cards? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, it's kind of like at the time people compared it to like uh like like a cross between like uh like Master Ryan 2 and Magic the Gathering. Oh my god, yeah, it came out in 2003. Oh, 2003, okay. Yeah. Oh, apparently the studio that made it was shut down. Yeah, they unfortunately didn't do well. But I I remember playing that game and that game was uh, was a big inspiration too because it it really had like it was a little too, that one was too complicated, but it was like a really interesting marriage of like, oh, okay, we're going to do a space game that's node-based and like you take territory and the territory allows you to play certain cards. And you can sit like, if you go and you look at it and then you look at our game, you go, oh, wow, actually there's like some fair similarities there. I keep waiting on somebody to get inspired by Space Bucks and remake that bad boy. Oh, please. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Um... Okay, so yeah, let's talk about the game. Now, I don't remember. Is it on Unity? Or what's the engine? It is. Okay, that, yeah. I thought I was remembering it. I had to turn off, I have to turn off Steam to do these streams because like, Tuesday nights Jack's Steam and then Jack's my stream. So I got to turn it off Steam. It looks too good for Unity. It's not it, unstable. It, it really front, does yeah. look good for Unity. That's why I was like, this isn't Unity. Is it? Oh my God, it's Because, <laughs> you know, we run into a... I, I'm, not, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to berate any of the developers we've talked to who are making a that's, Unity that's game. That's my job. But we <laughs> run into a lot of Unity games here at Space Game Junkie, and, and not not all of them look as good as yours, I'm just gonna say. There's, hey, thanks, man. That's Yeah, the the asset store is uh, is a blessing and a curse in that regard. Some people can get a game kind of prototyped out 
you know, prototyped out real fast that way, but you just end up with a lot of uh, just mismatching assets and things just look kind of strange, and it's pretty obvious that it's all coming from an asset store, which just degrades a game horribly. But, yeah, we, we went the other way. There's nothing in there from an asset store. Yeah, there was a time where we played we, Asset Flip the game. No, no. <laughs> there should be there should be one called Asset Flipper, and it's just like pancakes. <laughs> Is that actually a game? Because I believe no. that's a game. Yeah. Oh, you got me there. Yeah, there it's like, are it's there about are a games. third of those games on Steam. Right yeah, I was about now. to say there are a lot of games on Steam <laughs> that are basically Asset Flipper. The game, throw in a few cards, you have a quote unquote game. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we made a point of getting good artists on board and to not do that. <laughs> yeah, because the art is very vibrant. I love how colorful it is. I love how space isn't just black, but it's got greens, you know, in there. It's very murky. Yeah, we, we messed with that for quite a while, and our, our, our concept artist, Matt Holmberg, has, uh, he's got just a, a magical eye for color. And uh, yeah, he really and just does. Uh, just it can immediately tell you or show you what's going to work best or what color is going to complement what other colors are going on. Or, I mean, it's uh, it, it it blows my mind every time I see it. I've even like watched um, color theory videos just so I can see if I can get inside his head a little bit. And so you got like work. a like, so you got like a color wheel, and he just whips it out, and he's like, "Look at this!" And just something that just, yeah, and it lives right behind his eyes somewhere. He's just completely uh, tuned into what what uh, looks good color wise. I'd also like to note I have a slide rule. Awesome. <laughs> we have a guy in uh, <laughs> Twitch. Called... That was funnier in my head, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a. No, that's that's instrumental for design. Oh, we have a guy in in a Twitch called Slants who says hello to Isaac. FYI. Hey, Slants, Scott Lance. We worked uh, next to each other for. Uh, Many years at the Popcat. Hi, oh, Slants. Woo! Did you, did you ever actually pop a cap in somebody uh, while you were... At- it, yeah. I was, uh, I was waiting for that joke. I was waiting all day for that joke. Pretty much every day, it was just a pop cap, and <laughs> I want to have the other words that usually go along with that. So, so uh, um, I feel thankful, then, that this didn't actually turn out like like Puzzle Quest in space, you know, you get some of that bejeweled stuff going on in there. And was yeah. the temptation ever high to, to that? Or what, what was the, what, it, what, it's uh, Zumba that's got the balls that roll around the thing, right? Uh, yeah. The balls in the frog's mouth. Yeah, so, that's a good yeah, yeah. That, yeah. My wife was pretty addicted to that for a while. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. No, like, uh, I don't know, separating from PopCap, I, I think there, there were some sensibilities that we took with us from that experience and from uh, just years of trying to figure out what worked with uh, with people and what made, you know, games popular. And we, we took a lot of that, but really didn't want to go back to, um, I mean, you just can't do that again. It would have been ridiculous to try and just redo it again. Like, hey, here's a rejeweled, or I don't know. Like, what? There's. It would just be ridiculous to try and do anything like that. So, and and there were a bunch of us that kind of wanted to get into using 3D technology a little more, and and kind of you know kind of push the games in that direction, but still take some of the casual sensibilities that we we picked up on there. Well, that's that's the thing that I felt um, in looking at the game, and then you know of course, actually playing it then, um, is I kind of get like a, a mobile vibe from it or the casual thing no. where, where it's not, well, I know, not the curse. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm, but I'm saying like when, when the art is, is, uh, 
like really crisp and good like that, then it it's kind of like I don't know. It, it it's a thing of like it, on the on the mobile app stores, um, mm-hmm. you know how they have like clash of whatever, and that there's always like that guy that's making that face, right? Yeah. There's a thousand clones, but everybody makes that face, you know, but, yeah. but there's like, there's like an art style that I, I can't quite describe. It's, it's sort of like a, that cartoony thing. And it's like, you guys aren't doing it, but it it's as good as, but it doesn't like betray it. Like, Oh, this is some casual thing. You know, this, this is like a time clicker game or something. Um, so it's, so don't uh, take that curse but I'm I'm just saying the art is on par with the best of things that are that I've seen in mobile and looking at the the layout of the UI how it's kind of around the screen and like the turn buttons in the lower left corner or the lower right corner and mm-hmm. and that so and you've got um pretty big defined UI elements there's no like little tiny boxes or or anything so it almost looks like if you guys wanted to go tablet with this it's ready yeah, it's it's uh, like I don't know. We initially we didn't set out to do that. The idea from the start was let's make the best PC game we can. Um, we did come from uh, trying to make things readable and easy to understand and get right away. You know, when buttons or or uh, you know essential functions of the game are are small and kind of or, or hidden in strange ways, like it it um, or just or just hidden by clutter of, of tons of other UI. It it's uh, you know, we've learned that it just makes it really hard for people to get into the game and we're making kind of, you know, it's kind of a complicated game and we're like, how can we make this more simple and readable and approachable? Uh, well, but that's people? the thing is it's, it's complicated, but the art style makes it look approachable. And that's, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we've been, we've been, we've been going for, for sure. And in the, you know, the result has been in some ways that, that people see it and without playing it, they're like, Hey, that looks like a mobile game. You're just making a mobile port or something. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that, and that's I, kind of the, the friction that you, you know, yeah. it, that's, it's the blessing and the curse because to, you'll pull a lot of people that aren't necessarily in the core demographic of like four X players, because they'll look at that and they'll say, this looks like a, a cartoony and approachable game with big interface elements that are clear. And and then once you get them in, then you hit them over the head with the, you know, the roguelike aspects. Um, it's, right in the head. it's like, no, it's Dark Souls. Smack. You know? Yeah, I, th- I think we definitely like, uh, you know, as we, were, as we were developing the game, we, we recognized that we wanted to make a very like deep, challenging game. But like all of our experiences uh, from like previous jobs, like always made us shave down the UI to like the most understandable, most usable thing. And uh, man, that was a process. Let me tell you, like <laughs> so many, so much back and forth, so many, so many different UIs tried for everything. And when you mouse over a planet, there's blood in that moment. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> brain matter. There's like all kinds. It's it's intense. <laughs> The UI that comes up is, is a killer. Well, I wanted to. I, we talked about a little bit about the UI um, before the show, and I wanted to say again how elegant I feel it is. But I, I want to talk about how the game plays too, because the UI makes the game very fast playing. But there's still, even though it plays really fast, there's a lot going on here. So, yeah, but it, but like you guys said though, that it, it's, I guess to phrase it, it it's better to bleed in design and prototyping than it is to bleed in the market whenever you get out there. Right. So, so 
as much as you can beat each other up and refine things before it you know it comes out to public because that's the thing with early access games sometimes they put stuff out and it's got like straight up programmer art in it and the the interface it's like oh you remember drop downs right like drop down lists <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and radio buttons man mm. The two, if we could somehow have like a drop down list of radio buttons, I, I think. <laughs> uh, there was a point where a uh, a button on a mouse over was suggested, and there was it was like a, a large ball of fire shot out of the sky and, and destroyed the person who suggested that. Yeah, it was like started, it was me. started a holy war. Yeah. <laughs> like, how dare you? A button, <laughs> a button in a mouse over? What's wrong with you? So, so what I need you to do tonight is play Aurora 4X. For about no, an hour. No, no, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't listen to this, that? man. That- well, okay, so the entire game looks like it was made in, like, Visual Studio using all the default interface elements. <laughs> the The whole game is like an Excel spreadsheet with, like, every sort of UI control that was in the palette that they could jam in there. Mm. Oh, it's nutty. It's one dude making it for himself, so you know, it's like, like it or not, be damned. It's kind of a Dwarf Fortress sort of thing, but a 4X game. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to yeah. check it out. Yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're nuts enough to dive in, it's actually Do good. not check it out. Save I'm yourself. <laughs> Save yourself. Do not do it. But I want well, to I'll, I'm I'll entirely... fish up a I'm, screenshot while you're talking. I'm, I'm internally debating whether or not I should, because I am sort of crazy like that. There's there's another like insane strategy game I play called uh, Dominions. Like Dominions oh, God. Three, Dominions Four. I oh, have yeah. Dominions exactly. Four. That is the correct response. <laughs> I, I have it, and I've looked at it. I, I've <laughs> stared at it. It's the same thing as that command game, you know that that naval harpoon game. Like I have that too, okay, and I've yeah. looked at it, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> no. Are you guys in the stream chat room? I'll just paste this in there. Oh, you know, actually, I'm not. I'm looking at a. Uh, there's a shriek of horror for you. Let me see if I can get out of there without uh, direct message. No, that's right. Yeah, you can be in a text chat room and a voice chat room at the same time. It's actually really nice. Yeah, I. Uh, that's Aurora um, 4X. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Speaking of, speaking of Dominions, man, like uh, some people, like, you know, we've had some feedback on the forums of, like, oh, you know, this game isn't complicated enough and, you know, I want, a, I want a deeper experience and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I just look at them and I go like, I don't know what these people are talking about because I play Dominions, which is literally like one of the most ridiculous, yeah. you know, like fractally complicated games I've ever played in my life. And I still enjoy playing Space Trion, even after like two years of working on it. So I don't know where these guys, whoa, well, what is that? Look at it. It's like a spreadsheet. Okay. Yeah, we it's bad. just saw your it, screenshot. It's bad. It's really, <laughs> I, I tried That's playing that. It's not a game. I Those tried playing taxes. that um, a couple of weeks ago. And I went through the tutorial step by step when it was about 40 minutes. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm just, I can't do this anymore. I'm amazed you made it 40 minutes, man. I I was too. I was too. I have to cut a finger off after looking at that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. What is the dolphin? What is that? That's that's a race. That's the race's screen. Nice. (laughs) Talk about like clip art. Yeah. Okay. So, but the the minutia that this thing goes down to is like, Insane. I want to terraform a planet. Well, what percentage of what noble gases are in the atmosphere, and like, 
what do we need to actually inject into the atmosphere over how many hundreds of years to balance out the gas ratio to make it breathable to our species, which may or may not breathe human air. And right. yeah, it, it's, it's just like, yeah, by the time, by the time you're done just with that one screen, it's like you're ready to colonize Mars because you kind of understand the science. These are these are great ideas. We got to get these into space. No, no, please don't. Uh, it'll be, it'll as be a one con- button that poisons the atmosphere, <laughs> poison the atmosphere. Boom. You as win. a contrast, as a contrast to Aurora Forex, your game plays much more quickly and efficiently. So let's talk about how the game plays, because basically, uh, the mission. Well, the one mission I played, I played the tutorials and I played the first mission, which. For one mission in a, in, in a multi-campaign game was fairly lengthy. Like, it was almost an hour for that one mission. So that's pretty great. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it gets a little bit, as you, as you, like, train up, you get a little bit better. It gets, you can work your down to, like, you know, like 30 or 45 minutes. And that's around what we were shooting for. We were shooting for, like, when we were thinking about the game, like, okay, I want to I get in. I want to be able to have a 4X type experience where like, you know, I'm, I'm building an empire. I've got my ships. I'm blowing shit up. And like that I'd be able to do that, quote unquote, on my lunch break, you know, like a 30 to 40 minute uh, experience. I think we got it, too. You, you did. You did. You, you have everything in a very tightly compact experience. And it's neat because each turn you can do a lot of different things. A lot of different things can happen. So basically, you're a you're a you're a badass. Um, you're you're some kind of son of a bitch tyrant, and you're fighting yeah. against the Galactic Senate, and right. you're trying to take over areas of space before the Senate can. Uh, if I'm if I was reading the game right, get a foothold, and uh, yes. you have, and so basically you have to capture planets, you have to destroy fleets, uh, you have to take planets back from the Senate. And you have to keep your tyranny meter up. Is that? Am I remembering that right? The tyranny meter. Yep. Yep. You That's got it. it. Yep. And so, and at some so- point, do you actually get a Death Star that you can destroy the Senate? You know, we've actually talked about that. Uh, we have we have a couple of ship models left over that ha- that aren't in the game currently right now. And our thought is like, hey, you know, we could we could turn these into like super like mega ships that could just be like totally deadly. But uh, orbiting stars or something, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, effectively, yeah, the, that's the game, right? Like the, the shtick is, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're not out for, um, to be friends with anybody or to like create diplomatic unity, unity in the universe. You know, your, your thing is you're an evil guy. You want to go out and just like take over everything and ruin the universe for everybody and just have it all be yours. Can you actually like subjugate races though like like scare them so bad that they just switch over to your side and it's like here have our fleet too hmm. no you, you actually can you actually kill them <laughs> um but it's yeah. not i mean what you're like you're saying that and i'm like thinking to myself why don't we have a card that does that yeah we should have a card that does it yeah as you get the planet and their fleets like a fear so, yeah. card, like a fear card like a terror card well, that, or yeah. something well that mind control card was pretty badass it cost me five five diamonds to use oh, it oh yeah but it was just like, give me that planet. Okay. And it had like yep. 10 defense on the planet too. So it was kind of yeah. nice. So what's, what's the deal with these cheating ass dice that always roll a one <laughs> whenever I'm trying to take a planet? Because it's like, all right, well, there's six numbers on the dice. I only need to roll a two or better one. <laughs> this is, this is good. This is good. We need to deal with this. Yeah. So there, there's, this. <laughs> there's, 
Uh, so let, let me stay back for one second and say that the, the whole ground invasion thing is like in addition. So there's two, I would say like two major points of pain in the game in terms of like getting to our final destination. And the one was the UI that we talked about. A there is like so much back and forth and blood spilled on that one. And the same goes for the uh, ground invasion. Like ground invasion started as this like really complicated Mutu like thing where you've got troops and you bring troops and you send them to the planet and they're fighting and there's tanks and everybody's blowing God, up. God, it was and, horrible. Oh man, <laughs> and it, it just it just reached it reached such a level of like disproportionate like complication and unfun that we eventually were just it was kind of like the same as that moment when we're when we're thinking oh let's make a Mutu game. Wait, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to play that game. It was the same thing with Ground Invasion, where we had this really complex system, and then we decided, you know what? I don't want to do this. You know, I want to have a single moment where it's like my empire versus your empire on the ground with like a, a split second of drama, and then just let's carry on. And that's how we ended up with the uh, with the dice, um, which I think actually worked out pretty well. It's a, it's a little, it's not super granular, but... Yeah, but why do they cheat so bad, though? Because I always roll ah. one. If I need a two, I roll a one. Jim, if I need a three, I roll a six. Jim, I'm so, sorry. I didn't roll one. I rarely rolled a one. So maybe well, I got shitty dice. That's what the, it is. The, yeah, the thing about really the good. dice is, is they aren't, they, the, the shape of the die is not representative of the numbers that are on it, unfortunately. And, and it, it is kind of, uh, uh, it, it fools you at first. But um, what is it? The die only goes up to five, right? Yeah, it these, six sides. These are actually N-dimensional dice. Mm-hmm. So if you're not seeing the numbers you want, you're at probably not like looking into the correct direction. <laughs> oh, so it's tesseract dice then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like if you were if you were one dimension higher than you are right, you'd definitely be getting sixes and maybe even sevens. Oh, so you're saying that you should probably just get high before <laughs> that would work. That's the way you see the six. Yeah, is. the bedfellow of video games for time immemorial. <laughs> Only in. Only in certain states can you legally see a six on the. Well, no, and then when you get accompanying uh, dice on the sides, those only can roll as high as a three. They're still a six-sided shape, but yeah. So what what's the deal? Like I I noticed like about three quarters of the way through the first game that I played, I actually got the accompanying dice. I didn't know how I earned that though. It, it was it was kind of like. Somebody was helping me out or something, but yeah, forth a lot on that too. It, uh, it's uh, well to, to jump back for one sec to your question of why why are you getting low rolls? The dice, uh, like uh, Isaac is saying, they they literally actually don't go up to six for one, and then some of the dice, like I think in the hoplite die, I think there's actually two twos, and then again the small dice, yeah, are one to three. So is um, it the, like different races have different dice that they invade right. with? Yeah, so like if you go and you play the Berserk, the B race, their die actually goes from zero to four, which is like, man, that's oh, that's so, right. You guys, if, if you haven't played the Berserk, you haven't got the sad trombone yet. <laughs> There's some sad moments. Now. There's a literal sad trombone that plays if you get a zero when you're doing a ground invasion. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the one of the reasons that we did that was uh, basically to, to control randomness. And the reason that we want to control randomness is because we wanted to keep the uh, like fortification and siege values into like a very um, human range 
to, to describe it in a way, right? Like, like between you, you rarely see a seed value that's above 10. It's usually like one or like zero to 10 or, ah, you know, maybe you get to like, you know, 15 or like, I guess some planets could yeah, take 20. That's very rare. Yeah, on a war mission or something, seems pretty high. Yeah, but, it, but yeah, if it's like, if it's a huge number, you're going to be there for a while, unless exactly. you whip out one of those Trump cards that's like, give me that planet. Yeah. So, so that then makes the the um, cards that like knock defense down in a hurry a lot more important than what I right. realized they were. Because right. because that's the thing, right? If you're if you're because I had my big fleet, right? And I I had like um, a dreadnought and you know supporting stuff. I had like 21 ships in this fleet, and I'm stuck whittling down this planet. And I was just thinking, like maybe I should just knock the dudes down and move on and then have like my militia fleets come by and sweep up the invasions because it like you guys said before, it does not matter how many ships are there. I could have a ship and I'm still going to get the dice roll that I would if I showed up with a gargantuan fleet. So maybe yeah. I should like let, let the little guys do the janitor work. Yeah, uh, it definitely, you can do that. And then uh, you were asking where do the, where do the secondary dice come from? And there's a variety of sources The Number one way to get them is uh, the barracks worlds, which you see in the big red square worlds. Yeah, oh, those okay. are, that, that explains that was, where it came from. Then that was great. Yeah. yeah, once I found that, I was like, I'm having fun invading. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The barracks worlds are are extremely valuable for that reason, and uh, you should definitely like prioritize them to invade. But so in addition you, to that, there's can, a, there's other ways to get it. Like, well, um, can you get two dice? From two barracks worlds, or do you need a barracks yes. world and then the alternate thing? Uh, you can only have one primary die, one big die, and then every additional die after that is, is considered a small one. Uh, right, but I mean, the, you get a max of what, two small ones? Oh, uh, it's five dice total. Oh, really? Okay. Primary, four, four secondary. You can get, uh, there are... Uh, artifacts you can you can collect that will uh, like when you attack a certain world like a science planet or something it'll give you an extra die when you do that so anytime you hit one of those worlds you'll you'll see an extra one show up and there's okay, just yeah, there are different ways that you can you can add to your pile that way that uh, I assume this stuff doesn't transfer around the meta campaign right like that's just for that mission and then you start the back artifacts with was long throughout a uh, those yeah the artifacts will last throughout a um, a campaign. Uh, but as soon as you lose that campaign, yeah, those get reset. Oh, okay. Another so, way to get them is uh, you. So you were saying I had twenty-one uh, ships in my fleet, and it wasn't increasing my invasion. That's correct. But if you actually do bring a second fleet, and both fleets are present when you press invade, then you'll actually get a another die. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, the the problem that I had in that was like I had a couple of worlds that I'd bypassed that were off to the side in the backfield. <laughs> And then they started generating like fleets and running around invading my planets. So then I needed to turn my militias around and go back there and clean them up. Yeah. Cause they were starting to take things away from me. So I did notice though, the, the game doesn't always display the fortification level of my own worlds to me. It was like, I had dudes invading my stuff and I was like, well, how, you know, how many more of those can that planet take? And, it, it didn't seem maybe it's like when it's their turn, it's not showing it to me it, and it might, it might show it on mine. If I mouse over, it might also be a matter of the zoom level you're at too. Uh, all that information pops up readily when you're zoomed in, but as you zoom out, some of that stuff will start to disappear. Okay. Might be that too. And it was a little ways in the backfield too, when it was happening. So 
it wasn't directly center focus of the screen. Might have been it, yeah. No, yeah, so I, one of the other major elements sorry. of the game is the uh, is the card system, which we've we've touched on a little bit. You know, talking about how you can use cards to reduce the defense of a planet, and uh, the cards are actually like a the cards are a really interesting feature of the game because the our our sort of uh, goal with them was to basically take every like four X elements that we couldn't do with just the like planets, ships, invasions, and then distill that down into cards, you know? So like you take civilization, for example, there's all kinds of stuff you can do there. You know, you can change, you know, big levers on your economy. You know, you can do diplomacy, you can do all different kinds of things. And that's what we tried to do. We tried to just like distill down that gameplay and that flavor into really discreet uh, easy to play elements, which is what the cards turn out to be. Yeah, which I greatly appreciate. We've we've had many conversations around here because uh, Spaz is like super into the card based games, and we've had a lot of conversations about um, how I think video games should emulate board games a little bit more because board games you have to distill that stuff down into something that's human manageable because you're not going to have an, a, a computer there to play the accountant and the and the rule monger, right? So. It has to be something that people can digest in their heads, and it doesn't take like a calculator and a pad of paper to also play the game. So it, it's like because of that, if you get the the video game down to that, then you can also just hold the rules in your head, right? Um, and a, another nice thing about those kind of games, uh, like Magic: The Gathering, being the the nice example, is that sometimes the rules are right on the card, so you know what's going on because the card is telling you exactly what it does. And and that way, you know, it's it's not like I have to discover something in the rule book. Like, why did this card do that? It's like, well, no, it's right there on the card what it's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And we try to do that too. And then also, you, you may or may not have seen it, but if you try and play a card and you and the rules don't support you being able to do it, it actually just shows you on screen like, hey, you actually can't do that because you don't have a friendly fleet or there's not an enemy fleet in range or something like that. Yeah. We really tried to make that like. Like, as you were saying, like you don't need to memorize a big rule base. You just need to be just touch the card, and it'll tell you what it can or can't do. Yeah, I got, I got to say, I really, I'm I card games are hit or miss for me a lot of the time. Um, but I have to say, um, the 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 cards here are so great and so varied and uh, efficient. What's your favorite one? Oh, the mind I mean, control. Favorite, favorite the mind card. control. It is pretty awesome. Yeah, that card is. Card is. Oh, it's hot. Sexy. <laughs> Sexy card. Cover your ears, card. <laughs> I just want to touch it. Um, oh, sorry. And it's strangely, strangely, uh, Secret Police is one of my favorite cards. Oh, that one's great too. I got to play that one last well, night. Well, defense, and yeah, like for almost the whole time we were working on the game defense of a planet was like of one of your planets was almost meaningless because the AI like didn't attack enough. And then suddenly like we made some changes to the AI, made it more aggressive, made it, you know, as you were noticing, like, Oh, if you leave a, if you leave a world, you know, lapsed, then it like switches to the Senate and then maybe it starts attacking you. And after we did that, then it just became the most beautiful card. You know, it saves (laughs) your butt so many times. 
Yeah, what do you have to do in order to hire additional fleets? Because it let me hire two, and then uh, I just didn't get any more. So is it a particular planet that you unlock, and then it's like this planet one time will let you buy an additional fleet, or what? You can always, like every every empire allows you to buy at your capital, sort of as like a fail-safe. And then the primary way to... Uh, the primary way to get fleets is to break uh, enemy commanders out of prison. Because uh, okay. that's sort of the, like, you know, going with the, like, oh, you're, like, an, an evil emperor, right? So you, like, how do you get people to, like, work part of what you want, the psychopath and the sadists and stuff? And where are those guys? Oh, well, they're in the supermax, you know, space jail. <laughs> yeah, you need a card that's the beatings will continue until morale improves. I don't know who- <laughs> what effect it would it have. Really, it does really fit just right. It gives the combat bonus to your ships or something. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about this ship combat thing because that's pretty unique. Um, because it, it it damn near is kind of one of those time clicker things, right? It's it's uh, un, unlike, like, Plants vs. Zombies. You know, I'm not, like, there's not, like, money that flies out and then you have to click it. <laughs> you know, thank God. But it, but it is a thing where it's like you have to activate the ships in order to fire off their special things. And timing seems to be important in that because, you know, like some of the ships will protect other ships and you have a random chance to, to buff other ships whenever, like the, whenever I'd fire a volley out of my, uh, my, um, the small ships, frigates, or whatever they were, um, then I got to a point with them in the research where I would have a chance that the ships that were around them would fire an extra volley as well. So then it's like, well, I want to put those guys near each other, but it seems like whoever's in the front is going to get hit first. You know, cause you don't have an option to hit people that are behind there. So it's like, well, if I if I put my tough ships up in the front and then I put my shooty little glass cannon guys in the back, then it kind of defends them. Um, especially if the guys in the front are healers, so you so you have this grid that you that you arrange your ships in, um, and then uh, you've got your capital ship in the back that has some special power, and that seems to vary depending on what captain that is. He, he's got his thing. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's funny. You know we, we were talking earlier about the art style of the game, and uh, it, it actually comes into play in combat because. Uh, you know the reason why the reason why we're on a grid and the reason why there's 21 ships on the grid is because it looks good. <laughs> if you can believe it, fair enough. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was like some numerology thing for good luck, but okay. <laughs> no, that is really fantastic. That is really utterly fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely. I mean, as well as with everything else, we we went back and forth on a lot of stuff, tried a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we, we wanted a, we wanted a combat experience where you could have sort of like a, kind of like a, like a personal feeling with each of your ships. You know, we, we don't want this to be where like, you're this, the super commander where you're way zoomed out and like, oh, I guess that's my big battleship. And what are all those dots? Oh, those are like my frigates and fighters, I guess. And maybe they're dying. I don't care. Like, um, we, we really drove for you know, having that sort of personal involved experience in combat. And that's, that's one, what drove how many ships you'll see on the screen. And, and as a result, the detail you see in the artwork, and then also uh, drove um, 
the clicking on the ship specifically, rather than like sitting at a high level and giving orders like you do in other games. This one is like you're actually there. The ship is a button, and you click on it, and it's it's your ship. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of neat because it keeps the player actively involved in the combat. Um, but some of the combats are like super trivial, so it's almost like I wish there was just a quick resolve button. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just go kill those guys. Click, and you know we know what this is going to be. That means but, we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Well, you can't. <laughs> well, pass I mean, it, you can't well, pass you, forward. You, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take very long. You know, I'm, I'm, it's like 20 seconds versus instant. But, you know, it, it's just it's like, like we, I was just thinking I've got a I've got a bunch of combats where I, it's like my fleet of 21 guys is going to roll in on a fleet of three. So maybe they should just surrender and go away. Uh, they, <laughs> they shouldn't even make me fight. Yeah, that's something that we, we went around quite a bit on uh, just kind of the length of the combat experience and uh how to how to make that more of a quick you know rapid fire experience uh at one point we put you know kind of a fast forward and slow down button at the bottom some cases you want to slow it down and see what's going on in some cases you want to just get it over with um so those are there they're a little bit uh, hard to notice at first when you're paying attention to so much other stuff but but you can speed it up to some degree um but it is still, yeah, it's true that, that there, especially early on, you'll get into a lot of battles where um, it's obvious what's going to happen. You're going to steamroll them, and you might lose a ship at the most. Um, but after a while, it, it becomes, uh, you know, more complicated than that. So it, it changes up. And, yeah, that, that, that was just kind of one way that we dealt with it was putting the, the, the little speed-up buttons down there. But it, it might not be enough. I don't know. It's, it's something I think we're still we're still looking at. There's a lot that's certainly nailed down with how combat works right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd feel dumb if I hit the speed-up button thinking it was a sure thing and then, like, when yeah. my cruisers went <laughs> down, I was like, ah. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. Experienced that many times. <laughs> like, Wait. what? No! My dreadnought! God damn you. Well, the tactics were another thing that we put in there to kind of make it interesting. We figure, like, if, if something's going to take a while, then let's add some, some other features in mm. there that can... Uh, well, because you uh, don't get to pick... It up. You don't pick who your ships shoot at. They just shoot. Right, unless you're doing like a special ability, and then you get exactly, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just like they're just going to shoot stuff, but they seem to be fairly intelligent about you know like clean up the scrubs first and then kill the bigger ships because more less things shooting at you is better than yeah. Like you know, don't don't beat on the elephant when you can like kill all the little things that are around it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and it's an interesting look into our mind as designers. To, you know, like, I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, like, there are sometimes combats that you just want to sort of get through. And for us as designers, like, when I hear that, it, it, it says to me, like, hmm, you know, I think we got to, I think we got to make it better. We got to make it more interesting so that somehow those battles can still be interesting. And that's basically, like, when, when we're, when we see uh, a situation as, as the Space Tyrant team, where you say, you know what, you could automate this. To us, that means that we didn't design it right. And that's what produced a lot of the, like, uh, you know, a lot of the smoothness of the of the UI and the gameplay actually mm. came from, uh, you know, agonizing over decisions like that of like, hey, yeah, you know, this is fun. It's, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. But, you know, I kind of wish it would do it for me sometime. Um. So yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I feel you. 
I feel you. Yeah. Maybe there's an option like if the the battle is going to automatically be won, you can you can auto resolve. Maybe. Something like that. Maybe auto resolve, but you don't get XP. Oh. Oh damn! I like it. I like it. Shit. Now that's actually great. That's actually great because like you should fight your battle if you really want the rewards, rather than just being impatient. I like that actually. I like that. Or the other option, you have the option to cheese out. Like you hit the cheese out button. Whatever you take the point. Which would literally be a piece of cheese on the screen. Yeah, it just comes just flying click. in and just like takes out the enemy fleet. Just this big like triangle of cheese. Comes flying <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll cheese have to put weird. you guys in touch with joking, the space cap. Uh, that's not not beyond something we would do. No, we'll we'll put you in contact with the guys that made space space cats with lasers. There you go. Because <laughs> it is, it's a cat that flies around on a piece of cheese. And the like mice are attacking him. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, well, it's like have... the mice are mad because he's got their cheese. And you apparently. guys, you guys have bunnies in your game and whatnot. Where'd you come up with these characters? Gosh, I did it. Was that Matt? No. Well, here's the thing: is is uh, early on, uh, uh, our concept artist has kind of come up with some crazy stuff, and and Jason, uh, the owner, is like. You know, we need some space bunnies. We need some space bees. We need some some slugs. We need crazy <laughs> space slugs. And Matt's like, I don't want to do anamorph- anamorphic creatures. I'm not into that. Uh, and the resounding response was, well, too bad. That um, would be a great name for the game, Star yeah. Furry. Oh, <laughs> no. no. They're all Donald Duckin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... So that's kind of how that transpired. And so Matt just kind of like leaned into it. Like, all right, let's make like some crazy space bunny. We, we've got other uh, races that we've have been schemed up to that uh, um, are pretty crazy. I hope we get a chance to put them in. Um, but right now the ones that they're, yeah, the, the slugs, bunnies, and bees are, uh, yeah, Matt just went for it. And that's, that's the stuff he came up with. Uh, he's, he's a great artist in his own right. He did a lot of work on, on Peggle and, and Plants vs. Zombies. Oh. Uh, oh, cool! And does a lot of his own stuff too. That's probably, who are the, sorry, go ahead. Who are the guys that fly the Buck Rogers looking rocket ship things? Because those the guys are bastards. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are the guys that are like the biggest threat to me. I think they've got like a higher rate of fire than the other guys or something. Oh yeah, the Astron ships are the most dangerous in the game. Bastards. Yeah, I was, I was see, feeling like, that. They, yeah, the, <laughs> the last mission. So like the the if you if you finish eight minute missions on the star map, the mission select screen. Then it unlocks the final mission, which you where you fight the Astrons. And man, is that a hard one? That's just, I mean, like they're just monster fleets of Astrons just like pouring over the map at you. It's it's tough. Yeah, the whole but- game is tough, but that one is like, <laughs> oh man, why? <laughs> so, how do you guys increase the difficulty? Like as the like as the missions go on, right? Because obviously, like. The, I would assume the first tier in each of the four zones is going to be the easy thing. And then like the more missions you fight in each zone, it's going to get worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, the, the most obvious measure of difficulty is the stars, right? And what that, what that generally means when you go into a mission, uh, the number of stars that it has will affect a couple of different things. And one of them will be like how quickly uh, planets fortify so, you know, you might start a map and somebody's got like three defense, which is not a big deal. But if you're on a four star mission after like five or six turns, it may be up to, you know, four or five, maybe even six or seven. And that's going to be a serious problem. 
Um, so that's one uh, fortification. Then the um, the size of the neutral fleets uh, is also big. And then addition, additionally, the size of the Senate fleets. And uh, I think that's it. Oh, no. Also, then, uh, you know, so in addition to those things, like the strength of the fortifications, size of the fleets, then also the size of the map, which doesn't sound like a like a regular difficulty problem. But the thing is that uh, the most common goal in the game is to conquer 60% of the galaxy. And if you have a bigger map and the same number of ships or fleets, then you're like, by definition, you're, you have to stretch yourself further and further each time. You know, it's like your, your fleets get thinned out and spread across the galaxy and you really have to like uh, play a balancing game Mm. of like, you know, offense and defense. Um, you can't addition, at once. Yes. Uh, in in addition, there's also um, two additional modes, which you don't see until I think you're past your third or fourth mission. Uh, there's one that's called capture and hold, which is a which is a very military mission. Like uh, the all the control missions are like you know you're capturing planets, and you know you're trying to like generate income and stuff like that. And capture and hold, you're really just fighting. Like you have to get to these particular planets that are in the middle of the map, and then you have to go and sit on them while the AI tries to like push you off, and it it pushes pretty hard. <laughs> maybe maybe too hard. Yeah, we, <laughs> like, we, did, we chilled them out a little bit. We we actually were running some kind of some stats in the background to, to get a sense for game balance. And uh, uh, after our first week out in the wild here, it became obvious pretty quick that capture and hold was a giant spike in difficulty for people. So. Um, yeah, we just released a patch uh, probably an hour before this started that uh, will hopefully address some of that. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, so uh, there's capture and hold, and then the the final other mission type is called what we call monopolize, and it's similar. That one's more similar to a regular control mission, but it's only an economic goal. So, like, you can go out and do your standard issue. Well, I'm just going to, like, sort of expand out in a circle and, you know, capture a bunch of planets and stuff. But you won't – that a lot of times I won't get you closer to the goal because the goal will be something like, you know, research 20 techs or amass, you know, 2,000 credits or something like that. Um, And it makes makes for a really interesting twist on the normal gameplay because suddenly you're – like, the priority of all the planets completely changes for you. And instead of like going out and conquering everything or conquering the coolest planet, you're, you're really focusing on one resource type. And then you, and then what one of my favorite things to do is that you get in the, once you get those planets, then you oppress them, which I think is super tyranty and like, and really <laughs> like, very tyranty. I game. like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do have, I do have a question. I, I, I'll be honest in the, the video I made uh, that went up today, I forgot about my goals. I completely forgot about that. I was just conquering plants and having a good time. Is there mm-hmm. is there a place where you can easily see what your goals are? Are they visible somewhere? Like I must have totally missed them once they were top on the screen. Yeah, top center on the screen are the goals there. You know, it's interesting. This is oh. one of those uh, the balancing game of uh, having like kind of a sleek, minimal UI versus like reminding now people that there's a specific goal going on. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, that's, I'm that's sorry. Good. That's yeah. actually that's, that's good feedback that uh, that you were kind of missing that because that, uh, that's that's certainly something that that we want people to be aware of constantly. Like that, maybe like like maybe change the color of the element or flash it if like you're close to your goal, maybe or something like that. Like it would have yeah, caught my eye. Maybe, uh, and oh, believe it or not, that actually happens. 
It did, yeah, it does actually flash. That's true. I completely <laughs> missed enough. all of that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I sound like an it, asshole it, it, now. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. That's, this is good to know. I mean, it is sort of thing where if we made like an alert more of like center of the screen sort of effect or something that really caught your attention, uh, that would be that'd be better. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, an alert system around uh, uh, you know your mission goals. I think would be. I mean, we have that, but just to really blow it out, I think it'd probably be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and- really, don't don't beat yourself up about it, man. I mean, you're you're definitely not the only one, and uh, it's something that we need to deal with as uh, as the designers of the UI. That's, so, that's still that's I like a. It, I would take it as a good sign that I was having so much fun. I didn't even remember that there were <laughs> goals. I was just like, I'm going to get to that Senate <laughs> planet, wherever they are, and I'm going to kill them. And then I'm like, oh, I won. Oh. All right. Oh, <laughs> that was a nice surprise. That was a nice surprise. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, it is the hope that the rest of the game will be fun enough to absorb some, uh, you know, some of those moments. But we would like to get it all just right. It's, it's kind of a goal of early access is really tune this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, like you're saying, I, I didn't look at my goals and I still had a good time. You know, truthfully, that was one of the things we were thinking of when we were designing it was like i just want to like play the game and like have it be fun and then you know if there's a goal awesome right and that's that's definitely like that's the correct experience to have as a new player coming into the game and i would think you know that it it actually will develop naturally like once you get like you know three five ten hours into the game and you're getting like deeply immersed into the mechanics then those goals are going to jump out at you Right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I just, I feel like such a goof. <laughs> I totally <laughs> Got to get back in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to have to play more. Now, uh, speaking of uh, playing more, you're, the the uh, the Steam page calls this a roguelike light. What does that mean? What on earth? What do you think, Dave? Uh... Well, I mean, it, that's a really loaded term, especially these days, right? I mean, how many games are there that are like, oh, I'm roguelike. Hey, I'm roguelike, too. Are you roguelike? When I hear roguelike, I think random levels, you know, I think maybe some kind of meta progression, which you do have. Um, mm-hmm. But what does it mean when you guys say it? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, those two elements are two of the big ones, right? You know, like you go into a level and all the levels are randomly generated. There's nothing that's going to be static. And, you know, all your enemies are random. The map is random. The goals are random. Uh, and then, yes, the, the metagame progression, like getting progressive unlocks, new cards, all that kind of thing. But in addition, um, there's the, uh, the whole planet exploration system, uh, which we haven't really touched on too much. Right, so yeah. When you, can, you can get a pet or yeah. a concubine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, concubine's a really good one. Although it can backfire on you, as as they frequently do. I've only <laughs> found one, and it worked out really well. So, <laughs> well, I, I found the hypno toad, and I, I thought that was charming. You guys definitely you have some memeologists on staff there because yeah, <laughs> the the dankness was uh, was dank. Awesome. Was dank. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, we we definitely like. A lot of the tongue-in-cheek humor comes out in those exploration dialogues, uh, and those are are very roguelike. You know, like you're going in, and there's coming into a situation, 
it's kind of weird and interesting. And then you're sort of choosing your own adventure through it. And then some of the rewards, you know, most of the rewards are like, okay, they're kind of nice. And some rewards are really friggin' good. And some are really friggin' bad. <laughs> Destroys your whole fleet. Have you guys have you guys found the demigod yet? The no, what? <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> yeah, be careful of that guy. So, so while we're hanging tags on here for marketing, um, not only could you use roguelike, but you could also have like interactive fiction novel because yeah, you make your choices, right? Because it's got yeah. a game around that, and other games are just that. So you, know, choose, choose you your call own. it cho- Choice of the Space Tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the early, early names for this game was actually Diary of a Space Tyrant. Oh, that was the original name of the game. We steered away from it because it sounded too much like Diarrhea of a Space yeah. Tyrant. Uh, it also well, sounds like one of those virtual novels that are just yeah, inundating yeah. steam right now. Well, he's also the L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, wasn't it him that wrote that? It was, I think Dianetics. it was, Dianetics. Bi- Dianetics. No, it was, it was like, bi- no, it was bio of a, of a space tyrant or something. You get oh, your really? Tom Cruiser and you just take off cross case. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's really great uh, yeah, to so hear uh, that. That's really great to hear that all that stuff is randomized because that'll really increase replayability. That's yeah, crazy. I mean, like there, there are there are probabilities of what will happen when you go through there, but I mean, you know, especially with the like the demigod, for example, like you can go through and man alive, can he crush you? But if you if you play, if you play the odds and you're willing to you know put risk your fleet, you know you can win big. You you can like I've had games turn around on the on the demigod. You know, like I was, wow. I was about to go out. My tyranny was was done, and you know, I was like, "Well, here we go, buddy. It's you and me." It's like you want to take the universe over. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, there you go. It was Piers Anthony, Bio of a Space Time. There we go. Nice. We go. Look at that art. Yeah. Epic. Yeah, I just I remember like way back in the when like my dad was reading this. That's me right there, by the way. <laughs> I can actually confirm that is what Isaac actually looks it's like. Crazy. That's crazy. I think that's one of the Piers few, and me. I think it's one of the few Piers Anthony series I have not read. Is it, one you thing that really uh, Sorry. Uh, I haven't read this one though. There's uh there's another uh, Space Tyrant game on Steam. Oh, I don't man. know if you guys have oh, seen yeah. it. Have you guys searched for Space Tyrant on Steam? I did. I was just doing that and I saw that something else popped up. I don't remember the name. Hang on. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, my ex boyfriend, the space tyrant. Oh, that. Yeah, we haven't played it yet. We don't. I don't know any. I don't know what that. What's going on there? Oh dear. Oh, oh my. The reviews are pretty good. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Your next podcast. Uh, put a put a put a photo of that up in the, in the channel. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It like seems this? to be some some kind of like gay. Uh, Text adventure, maybe I'm. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's exactly. I think what it is. It stands out for its gay cast and eye-catching visuals, according to the oh, yeah. marketing copy. <laughs> uh, on on the topic of of uh, the roguelike aspects of the game, one that I really like uh, in our random uh, level generation is the Starlands uh, can create some really interesting scenarios, some choke points where. Uh, you end up having to really strategize to get through them. Like if you end up with a choke point early on and your gateway through that is a space monster and you oh. have to figure out how to get through the space monster, 
Um, there, just, oh, I've not read are, into are a there space any, monster yet. Ooh. Are there any space monsters that just went three fifty? Uh, yeah, oh, well, yeah. Like, get out of here, space monster. I'm not giving you no tree fitty. I, I ran into one of them earlier today, and I had to feed a couple of my fleets to it in order to get a card that w- allowed me to kill it off. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. yeah they don't they don't play easy, but sometimes yeah, that's it. that's an aspect of the game. Is sometimes you just throw your sad little dudes into the fire because that's what tyrants do, and eventually they put the fire out, and off you go. <laughs> Yes, but like space monsters are one of the things that's like a, you know, you talk about spikes and difficulty and roguelike stuff. That's one of them. Like because when you're in, when you're early on and you're a new player, uh, like oh look a space shark, ha ha, and then you go and fight it, and then it just murders everybody. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, but you didn't have a chance to tame it. Like if you show up with such a big fleet, it's just terribly impressed and joins you, and then it's your or, or if you have a certain trait, perhaps. Yeah. Yes. Yes, like, like definitely. Uh, yeah, like there, there actually is a card that will give you a space shark. And uh, yeah, we need to we need to tie. There's either going to be a planet where you can summon the space shark, and then maybe it either comes and joins your fleet, or it comes and kills you. Uh, or yeah, we'll put it in as a as a card tied to an event like that. Um, but yeah, I mean to 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 touch on uh, traits slightly. So that's one of the uh, like expansions on the exploration system. You know, and it's it's not uncommon, right? I mean, like that was the, it's the same kind of thing that they did in FTL. Like if you if you had done previous things in earlier events or had particular things happen to you over the course of your adventure, then you would get different options that were more powerful or more interesting or something like that. And we've got that in our game as well. You know, you can be you know psionic. Uh, what are the other ones? Sadistic, mm-hmm. destructive, vegan. I don't I don't remember. There's a bunch of them. And those will all influence what events you can get and then what you can do while you're in a particular event. Can you be uh, vegan? <laughs> we don't have vegan, actually. Yeah, it's oh, like, it's, like it's, a, it's a, a do-nothing trait, but you're required to tell everybody that you meet that you're vegan. <laughs> you waste one round of combat. Oops, sorry about that trait. Or you slip it's up like, and eat the space shark. I was going to no, say, it's, it's, it's just like and... a curse, right? It's like you, you you lose the first round of combat because you have to pause to tell them that you're vegan. You you, you secretly feed them milk and the vegan police come in to uh, <laughs> to take them down. I love that. You, you guys are going to love this. I've been vegan for six years. So <laughs> uh, but you hadn't told solid. us yet, so not really. <laughs> Oh yeah. There you go, but that doesn't mean I don't like destroying entire planets. So, so how far along in early access is the game right now? Is it would you call it an alpha? Would you call it a beta? I mean, if we're going to use those terms, what would you? Where where would you say in the uh, process it is right now? Uh, I would say that it's in a a late beta stage. Oh, okay. So it's not far from one point oh then. No, no, no we're, it's pretty close. Yeah, we went into to early access with the idea that we, we probably won't be here long. We want to. We obviously need to polish some stuff up and and get in the rest of the content that is, you know, that is slotted for it. Um, but yeah, we could we could hit one pretty quick. Yeah, I, I think we've got we've got like two two big blocks of content that we're excited about. We want to get those in, and then the other thing is like this capture and hold thing. We wanted to put the game out in front of a, like a large enough audience where we could get, you know, like realistic data and feedback on, you know, stuff we've been looking at for years and 
blind to it at this point. We don't know what what is or isn't isn't working. That's fair. I, I mean, guess that's not true. It's just some things. Some things were blind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you get blinders on if you're focused on one thing for so long. You like it, right, it makes right, sense to me, but yeah, exactly. Buried into the suns too long. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but that's probably a really healthy way to go. And how are you finding uh, early access working for you so far? Say that again. How are you finding early access uh, working for you in terms of feedback, in terms of uh, the attitude of the community? How are you finding uh, early access working for you so far? Really good. Really, really good. Uh, just it, we've uh, somehow magically attracted uh, a whole new group of people with fresh eyes on it. Fresh eyes are really huge, especially after you've been working on a game for just about three years. It's, it's like we were just talking about. It's hard to see what you're looking at sometimes. And people can come in and, I mean, they can be kind of harsh, you know, but that's that's pretty used to how that works. So uh, um, just kind of take it in stride and and try to, like, see if we can distill the feedback down, you know, if like six or seven different people are in kind of the same thing. But, you know, we just we try to read it between the lines and kind of look at the underlying threads between, uh, you know, the different clumps of feedback we get and, and work that into our, our vision of the game, you know, and it's in, in some case, you know, we have to weigh all that against uh, our, our time frame and just kind of like what we're putting into it. And, you know, we can't, we can't do everything uh, that everyone is going to request or anything like that. And we can't do everything that we want to do. Uh, but we've got to do a point where we can take that feedback and, and fix some things and really refine what we've got, I think. And, and uh, early access is, is really given us a, a huge, uh, a chunk of information to work with in that regard that I think is really going to help kind of push us through this down this last mile here. Is that the dance studio going behind you? Is that what you, you can hear, can that. hear it now? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been going for a couple of minutes. It's like, it's like 80 degrees or something here and they're up there dancing. Like there's it's like a third floor up there. I don't know. This is and this is like gentle. Oh, this no. is not. This, this is not bad. When it's bad, it's like a herd of rhinoceros yeah. stomping back and forth without end across the floor. Good grief! Yeah, we have an extremely non-conventional workspace. You guys would be uh, just baffled at how we've made this work. We have. It's amazing. You don't have like stripper poles or anything, do you? Uh, well, that would be nice. The, <laughs> different, different kind of dance studio. Yeah. <laughs> No, we have like we have these these rafters, these big wood rafters that are right above our heads, maybe a foot above my head, and uh, with with a sprinkler system running through them. And uh, it was so just kind of stark and weird looking when we first got here that uh, uh, Jason sent down a bunch of plastic uh, ivy that we have decorated the entire space with. So it kind of looks like you're in a jungle. It's like a weird um, jungle so, cave. And we have plastic snakes that hang from the ceiling too. We have a bunch of plastic rubber snakes and skulls. We have skulls everywhere. Oh, and nice. little, Cthul- little Cthulhu statues, and uh, and people that dance on our heads, and and junkies that pass out next to the dumpsters out back. Oh yeah, that's the real winner in the back. <laughs> we have a we have a bad heroin problem here in Seattle, and it, it's really evident right where we're at. We oh, should really? refer to that. You should <laughs> refer to that as the QA department. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the QA team. They're out back. Yeah, and you can tell when it's quality because they're not talking and their their <laughs> eyes are closed. <laughs> so you guys mentioned yeah. you work for you worked for PopCap uh, before. Uh, which games did you work on for for PopCap? Am I remembering that right? That you guys? Hello. 
Uh oh. Yeah, I'm still here. Uh oh. We might have to switch servers again, guys. I'm typing in the channel. See if they're there. Okay, oh, wait. There we go. Okay, hang on. Are you there? Can you hear One us? Second. We little... One second. One second. We're going to try something. One second. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, it cycled. Yeah, because uh, we had this problem last week where our voices were just being cut out. And it was, it went on for about 45 minutes before we remembered, hey, we could switch servers and uh, try and kick <laughs> things into gear. So that's what we just did. Uh, we switched from like the central to the southern server. So you, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So I was asking, you guys mentioned you work for our PopCap, I believe. Um, yeah. Is that yeah. right? What did you guys work yeah, on when you well, what? there it goes. There we go. Yeah, we're all we're all kind of castaways uh, from PopCap here. Uh, in fact, all of us. Uh, yeah, the the, the uh, our concept artist Matt. He started in I think 2006. He used to work for a company called Sprout that got acquired by PopCap around that time. Um, I got a three month contract at PopCap in 2004. And then they just hired me after that. And then I worked there until about 2012. Um, worked on a lot of the early games. Some of them just really went nowhere. We had uh, one thing I, I appreciated about PopCap is that they would make games that could be kind of duds, you know. But uh, and then you just move to the next game, the next one, the next one. Like what you know, what's gonna what's gonna hit? You know, and ended up being like Bejeweled, Plants vs Zombies, and and uh, and Zuma and Peggle all managed to do pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was only there for the last, I don't know, three years or so. So, like, I, I did my tour of duty, but not as long as the rest of the guys. Can you even hear us over the speaking? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we can okay. totally hear you, yeah. No, um, yeah, they got the Annie. No, because I was curious, because I was wondering if uh, your experience making these quick-playing games at PopCap influenced uh, how you created Space Tyrant. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, say, I would say both yes and no. Like... In like in terms of theme and design, Space Tyrant is like a backlash against all the sort of like happy go lucky. Oh, it's fun! And look at the balls! And now there's a unicorn! Hooray! It's true. It's true. <laughs> killing the past. We're yeah, killing seriously. it. Like how, how can we burn it? Like can you drop a nuke on that? So did okay. So the only games that I ever saw out of PopCap were the the ones that were good. Like I, let me let me say I've never seen a, a PopCap game that I would say, oh, that's bad, right? Maybe there Alice, were some that Alice were like under. I can't say I've ever seen that. Oh yeah, good good. <laughs> but wait, what was your question though? Well, I was wondering if, if there was any that were actually bad bad, or if, if they were just like underperforming. You know we. Bad. Uh, I, well, yeah, that's all, you know, it's all subjective. Uh, as someone who worked on, I think I probably worked on all the bad games. One of the bad games is actually one of my favorite games, but it just never took off and no one liked it. That was called Pixelist. Uh, and that was one of the first games I worked on there. Um, people always made fun of me for liking that game. It's on their graves. Um, and there's other, Alice uh, Greenfingers, uh, The Wizard's Pen was another game that, it looked really nice, but once you got into the the meat of the game, it was after you played it once, it was incredibly predictable, and you really you just couldn't play it anymore. Yeah. Um, well, did, did you guys ever attempt any just because because the, the games were kind of low risk, right? You know, it's just like let's let's make stuff, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. 
Did you, did you try anything that was wildly experimental there, or did it take till Space Tyrant, where it's just like, okay, now we, the reins are off, we can actually make something that's weird? You know, there was, there was always something pretty wildly experimental going on. Uh, at PopCap, though, um, all the games were built with the PopCap framework, uh, which strapped them to a 2D experience. So there was only toward the end of when we were working there did they start to bring Unity into it. And, I mean, you'll see 3D models in, in cap games being used but uh, back in the day that was never the case mm-hmm. um, and so basically when you're strapped to like a 2d framework um, with you know specific little tools and, and, and hooks that you could you could work with like you just kind of stuck with that so all the games kind of uh, there were there's some crazy ideas and some things that, that never got released mm-hmm. uh, but did it all run on a common engine, or are you just saying yeah, it's it was, common it was design? Yeah, it was based and we did finally start pushing stuff to Mac later. But yeah, there was literally something called the PopCap framework um, that you could download, and I believe it was all just in C++. Yeah, yeah, it was all C++, and it was it was basically like a like a rudimentary 2D engine. And man, it was it was bad. I mean, like <laughs> it, like when when PopCap started and they developed that. It was very good for its time, but then it grew. It was by the time like I was there, it was way too long in the tooth. It yeah. should have been. It should have been replaced with Unity probably two years earlier than it was, and so many problems happen as a result of trying to maintain that system and work with it. Yeah. So how are I'm you guys so, finding? I'm so Unity happy to be uh, out of PopCap and out of that thing and using Unity now. Unity is so much better. Unbelievable. It really is, yeah. And if, if uh, you know, if you like, Dave is is a, a master of C sharp, and we have another guy, Anthony Coleman, who works with us, uh, who is also an old timer at PopCap, and he's really good at C sharp. And these guys have just kind of grabbed Unity and and made it their own. And that's really, uh, yeah, I think it's it's satisfying for them, satisfying people yeah, working. You don't run into stuff where where it's like, oh, this is performing kind of bad. Let's drop some assembler in there. <laughs> no, definitely not that low. No. I mean, you know, you, they, you can't make a game that has, like, no bounds on what it's allowed to do, like, processor-wise. But, you know, compared to a lot of, like, modern games, Space Tyrant is not that common in terms of, like, the poly counts on the models, the number of models on screen, the amount of stuff we're doing with effects. It's all pretty. It's all pretty low end. I mean, it, we make it look good, but it's like in terms of complexity, it's not super high. So, I'd say we've had to we've had to go into the code and like track down efficiency stuff, maybe like five or six major times. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, now with Unity, it's, there's just there's a profiler, right? So you press a button, it brings up a graph, tells you what everything, what the CPU is doing at any particular moment. And then you just say, "Oh, look here! It's calling this function." Like so it on takes this all line. it takes all the fun out of it, then. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, fun. the fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, we did we did run into some uh, trouble early on. We had a, a another ex pop capper we worked with uh, <laughs> who right. did a ton of the core uh, coding <laughs> for it, and uh, you know at the time uh, everyone was was kind of new to Unity, and so there was kind of an activity going on of circumventing kind of core functions of Unity and putting in place uh, custom code, and that led to some crazy stuff that just, uh, I guess it was probably a little over a year ago, 
we finally solved this problem where our, our scenes would get completely corrupted and we'd have to back out and revert stuff if we'd saved it or uploaded it or anything as soon as we started identifying this was happening. But there was literally something in the game or in the, in the code that was just if you hung out a scene too long and you're working on stuff too long, it would just take numbers and turn them all into one, 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 one. And you just, you would start to see one, 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 one all over the place. And uh, it was a nightmare. Yeah. We lost sleep. We were anxious and disturbed mentally and we were fearing for the future of the game in so many ways. But finally it just came down to this, this old little chunk of code that got plugged in way back when that, uh, uh, that caused so many nightmares. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, I mean, there's the term bit rot, which is like, you know, that's basically like applications becoming obsolete. But like in in this context, it literally was as if there was like an organic plague inside the code. Like you could never oh, track wow. it down. Like it would say, oh, I, I fixed it. I got it. I got, I got rid of this one segment. And then somehow it would like creep into the other scenes in some way, and you just you're we were pull, literally pulling our hair out trying to figure out what was wrong. Comment out uh, everything. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, but it was it was so deep down there, and it and it was it did boil down to um, uh, that the the other developer was he was fighting Unity like the way Unity wanted to do things, and then it would just like it introduced a really low level engine bug, and then that's how it was spreading everything. It was like this the bug was happening down below our ability to detect in the engine. And then it was coming back up in other parts of the game in just the most insane mind bending ways. So today's unity lesson, let the Wookiee win. Yeah. Don't, don't fight unity. Don't do it. Work with unity. Yeah. If you're in (laughs) unity, work with unity, do things the way unity wants to do them. And you'll have a much better life. (laughs) You'll live a rich, full life. (laughs) Like we're all missing about ten years now, and we just want that to be a lesson to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, so good times making video games. We've uh, <laughs> yeah, we've heard uh, good and bad about Unity on this show. Like it's really does seem to engender a love hate relationship with a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and even with us too. Like we're waxing poetic about it right now, but the 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 really good way to look at it is you take the number of times that you're cursing at unity and like throwing the keyboard down. And then you bury those against the other times where you click a button and unity literally does an entire day's worth. What would have been an entire day's worth of work in another engine with just one click. And then, you know, suddenly you, you know, if you step back far enough, you see, Oh, well, okay. You know, those times when I was really raging, that was like, you know, you know, three, Three out of ten, and like seven out of ten was Unity was doing everything for me, and it remembered what needed to happen, and everything was awesome. So, yeah, yeah, Unity sounds awesome and terrible, basically at the same time. (laughs) Have you guys ever touched it? No, I I, unfortunately I've I've touched it at a time that I didn't know C sharp, and I had to learn C sharp real fast because my my uh, developer quit three days before the game went live so oh, man. yeah that, that was my introduction to unity it was it was like man. hello i'm unity <laughs> how did that go no pressure um yeah well i i wasn't uh, able to, to fix it but it, it was I, I was able to not be murdered 
by the <laughs> by the Steam forum. So yeah, we I mean we it was just like I was the I was the Dutch boy with the finger in the dike yeah. until we got somebody else in there. But yeah. It was just like what how does this work? I don't know. And it and it was like spaghetti. So the 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 story long story very short was they had hired a, a code factory to knock this thing out, right? The guy had a design and they hired some dudes and those guys got like halfway into it. They, they kind of established the foundation and some of the graphic elements and that. And then uh, their shop went out of business for other reasons. So they were left with a pile of spaghetti and then they hired another guy that was like fresh out of school. And this was like oh, his boy. intern job. And then in, cool. instead of, instead of just taking the, the idea of what these guys had done and then rebuilding it, he decided that he could save the spaghetti. So uh, it, it was a double spaghetti dose. And then uh, I got it and I just looked at it and I was like, Oh my God, because it, okay. If, if you would hit the cancel button, like say you spent money and then you hit cancel to refund it back every now and then it would refund it double. And I couldn't Ooh. find where, <laughs> you know, but not always there. And, and God, there, there was one place I changed something in combat and it broke something in the trade. And it's like, why are these things even related to each other? Because exactly. it's yeah. completely separate <laughs> loops, you know? And it was just like, Oh my God, I, I need to just not touch this. You know, <laughs> let's fix the obvious and, and pray that we get somebody in here that can code. Yeah, uh, that I'm, yeah, I'm like, a, like I'm a like scenario, man. yeah, I'm like Pearl Python PowerShell. I don't do any kind of GUI stuff at all. So I'm looking at this Unity stuff, and it's like, oh, okay. And I, and I kind of puzzled it out, you know, like how how things it it was just like objects that were in there, and then they all had code that was associated with them. And and I was like, okay, I kind of get this, but I don't get this. So you know, <laughs> I I what I but I still I still want to like. I want to fix that game and not in that form, but I really, the, the whole reason that I jumped in with that, it was guys that came on the show like you guys. Right. But they were, they were kind of like, this is a really cool idea. We have no idea how to make it. And, and there's no, there's no like business management going on and no PR plan. And I was just like, well, maybe I could help with the PR thing and, you know, we'll find somebody for the rest. And then it, it ended up, I was kind of like 80% of that. So very scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't envy you that one, man. That's a that's a real tough one. So if the game is sorry, go ahead. oh go ahead. Yeah, that's that's one of the problems with not using like video chat is you can't like raise your hand say uh, <laughs> who's talking next. Uh, but I wanted to ask um, since the game is apparently so close to release, uh, are there any plans for any post release like expansions or DLC or anything like that? You know, we're we're talking about all that right now. Or I mean, it's just we I, I made an effort just after we got into to uh, early access to just get it all on the table. Um, and so, yeah, there there there's a lot of stuff. We have a lot of art assets that aren't in the game right now that we could plug in. There's a lot we could do, and there's been a lot of ideas uh, over the last couple of years too. Some of them are really cool, but they're uh, you know they they would take a time investment to, to plug it in. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, right now, I think we're just kind of in a uh, uh, fix up what we've got, make sure what we've got is solid and that people are, you know, uh, are, are feeling it. And it's, it's uh, you know, what we want to put forward and then uh, and see how people respond to that. And then we'll just see. We'll see how it goes. Like, do we get enough rope to uh, 
to plug in, you know, another race or some of the other stuff we've got going on, or, or maybe we want to tie it off pretty soon. The thing is we're, we're ready to, you know, we're ready to, uh, uh, to, and, and it just seems likely that we would have, uh, that we'll do like a, you know, a 1.1, like uh, content update or something like that. Uh, it would be all too easy to do. So I, I'm, you know, I, but again, it would be foolish to commit to such a thing right now. We have to see how it goes. Uh, if people just stop buying Space Tyrant tomorrow, <laughs> then uh, that could, you know, that could change things. But certainly so far, so not. good. Like, certainly hope not. I mean, that's yeah, and we we certainly hope not too because we're we're pretty excited about it. You know, and as long, uh, you know, it's been a long road, but as long as we've been on this road, like we've the game is very endeared to us. We really we love working on this and we love this game, and it'd be yeah, and we'd really like to see it go to its full potential. You can definitely tell you love this game because there's clearly a lot of heart put into it, which is which is well, so okay. important. So and it, it means a huge amount to us to to know that people can can see that because it's true. Yeah, we put we put it all in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean to to go into like Steam and like you know you see somebody makes a comment on a forum and then you go and check their profile and they've played like you know forty hours of Space Tyrant or something like that. You know that really warms the heart. You know because you know that. Okay, yeah, like all all that like snark and all that design and all that UI, like somebody's out there appreciating it. There's a guy in our uh, in our in our beta group who helped tremendously with beta. He's got like 120 hours into it. It's either it's like Frobodine or uh, Tianas or one. I can't remember exactly, but uh, we've got a couple guys in there who've been really helpful all the while. And yeah, you go look at their Steam profile, and they've got you know 100 hours plus. On space tyrant. Yeah, and, uh, and we and we have one arch nemesis, <laughs> which is only appropriate Wait, for a what? game about space. Yeah, tyrant. yeah. Wait, I want mean, to hear about this. Keep dishing it out without getting some. I want to hear about this. Who's yeah? Your... There was so there was a dude in in the closed beta. Uh, should we say his name? I guess it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it's just a username. His name was Lorden, and uh, he was like he was actually instrumental in helping us get through the closed beta. I mean, this guy, guy, hugely helpful. Yeah. He played so much and he found so many bugs and like, you know, was talking to us about the design and this and that and the other thing. And we're just like, Oh man, this guy, like we like, cause we don't, there's only five of us. We don't have a QA department. Effectively, everybody who was in the closed beta was our QA department. And that dude was like the rock star. He was like the lead QA guy effectively. And uh, yeah, I mean, we like, we were like, we had a good rapport with them and we're, we're working on things and then, like, you know, I think he got, like, uh, over-invested in the game at where it was, oh. right? Like, we, we as, the, as the developers of the game, are looking forward to the final, you know, to the goal. So we're, and we're looking at, this is the state of the current game now, and we want, to, we want to get from A to B. And, like, he came in, and he was loving the place that we were so much that when we started to introduce changes, oh, my God. Hated us. Oh, Hated my Hated us. God. Just like from love to hate in an instant. Oh man, oh, no. yeah, worst game ever made. <laughs> yeah, at one point. yeah. From like, oh, play it a hundred hours, best game ever. To like, this is terrible. I don't know how you guys even think you're going to release. You it. don't even know what you're doing. Yeah, you don't even not- know your own. <laughs> oh no. Oh, it was rough. Yeah. You know what's funny is is we're pretty used to like pop cap. Uh, I personally, I worked on the, the blitz games like Bejewel blitz and Zuma blitz. And we got huge, like negative feedback from uh, communities uh, at the time, you know, because the negative folks are usually the, the loudest. And, 
So I got kind of used to that. So when this kicked in, it, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't really knock any of us off of our, uh, our balance. You know, we just kind of took it in stride, but it was a bummer because the guy really, uh, he really helped a lot and he was really an awesome, uh, uh, kind of asset to our, our beta period. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. It was disappointing to have them effectively like switch sides like that. But at the same time, I mean, like we're all seasoned game developers at this point. You have to have, a, <laughs> if you don't have a thick skin, you can't work in the game industry. Because games piss you off. And that's what happens. <laughs> They're not it happens about to fun. all of us. They're not know? about fun. They're, They're about getting exactly angry about stuff. About tearing your flesh off real slow. <laughs> So, so that uh, happened. Yeah, and you know the the funny thing was is that like you know he he had this like list of like demands of things he wanted to see in the game. What? And at that time, yeah, he was like, no, you need to do this and this and this and this, and if you don't, it's going to be the worst game ever. Mur, mur, mur. And uh, in that voice, yes, that was actually what he sounded like. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, but uh, you know the funny thing was, you know, we we you know we sort of like graciously were like, hey, you know, that's not where we're going. Sorry, it doesn't work for you. But then, you know, ironically, like you know, like a, a month or two later, we actually came back around and we like we reviewed his feedback again, and we're like, you know, actually, you know, he had some good ideas, and some of the stuff that he mentioned is actually now in the game. But amusingly, like we he just posted again recently, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and he can't see it. You know, like he, if for him, it's all just like, oh, it was good and now it's ruined, regardless of the fact that like 50% of the stuff that he wanted is actually yeah. now in the game. <laughs> We're holding out hope, you know. Yeah, maybe one day. You know, you know, he just got mad at us for a while and, and hopefully we can, we can. Yeah, maybe if out. he walks away, maybe if he walks away for a while, comes back to it after it hits 1.0 and got a patch or two, maybe you'll see. Yeah. You know, you know what it is. We got to fly him up to Seattle. We're gonna go out. We're gonna have a few beers. <laughs> we're gonna cry. We're gonna cry about it. We're gonna laugh about it. We're gonna hug it out, and then it's gonna be okay. Well, and then if the it's game- not, it's okay because then we have an arch nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, the game is successful enough that you can afford to fly him out to Seattle. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I hope sure, that too. Yeah, if sure. We could just get like a million more people to buy it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe 1.1. 1. 1. That'd be great. You well, guys can make that happen, right? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like a million, I mean, million and a half? I would love it. I, I wish I had that kind of reach. Uh, that's the downside to being so niche. Is not the biggest reach. Um, but, true, the, true. But, but the thing is, there are... The downside is... I'm not... Okay, maybe it's not a downside. There are a lot of space games out right now. Which, yeah. five years ago, who the hell would have thunk that? Right? Right. But... Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, so since there are a lot of space games out there right now, you got to be really different and unique and special yep. and skewed differently a little bit to stand out amongst the crowd. And I think Space Tyrant definitely does that. You know, I, th- yeah. I think I think it definitely has a flavor all its own. It's not even though you say Mutu is an inspiration, I would not have real. I would not have thought that. I would not have played this and go, oh god, again. <laughs> because it was 21 years ago. Let it go it so already. Boring. Do something else, God. Like when the when yeah. when the new move came out, you know the ones that the War Gamer did right. uh, last year. It's not a bad game. I, yeah, I think okay. it, I think it'd be a very good introductory 4X game. In fact, like if you haven't mm-hmm. played 4X in a while or you've never played one, here you go. Master of Rhyme Beyond the Stars. Have at. But like for someone who's played pretty much every one of them, it's like oh god, <laughs> this yeah, again? Yeah, yeah. Can we just it's very generic? 
very generic. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you have Michael Dorn and Dwight Schultz and all these, but come on. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, but the, but the reason that we were disappointed in that is that we've played it. Yeah. But it's for a generation of people who ain't played it. Yeah. So therefore, it, it, I, would, you say the that it, would you say that it's worse than the original? Does it lack anything? Um, I, th- I think it's almost a, a reproduction with a little bit of streamlining. I can't say it's worse than Master of Orion 2 because it's 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 Master of Orion 2 is very 1996, and this new Master of Orion 2 is very 2016. That's how I would say it. You know, they're they're I, essentially I the. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, when I was playing it, I, I got in on the early access, the late end of the early access for um for that one, mm-hmm. and I remember I I uh, I appreciated some of the UI stuff that they did and streamlining, so that was good, but then. As I recall, the combat was fantastically boring. And that's one of the things that made Mutu shine was actually that there was really interesting space combat. Yeah, that that game is just it, to me it's all about auto resolve. And in yeah. that case, I mean it's like oh, okay. it's like it's like playing Warlords. You remember Warlords? I wish yeah, somebody sure. would remake Hell Warlords. Yeah. Like like not the complicated ass, you know, like Warlords 5 or whatever, but but actually Dark Lords Warlords Rising. 1, Warlords Ooh. 1 or 2. Two, would be, two. Two, two is pretty it sweet. Solid, yeah. Dark yeah. Lords Rising it, was my favorite, if I may say. But, I mean, okay, given an engine like Unity, because I, so much time would go into to just building the game, but since you have Unity and you could just plug that in, right, um, how, how long do you think it would take to knock out something that's like a Warlords? Warlords? Um, in that. Yeah, yeah. I think. Is that, is that like weeks, months? To do it right, I, mean, I would it's, think it's, well. it's deceptive. It's always deceptive, right? You think it's like, oh, it's such a simple game, you know, but then there's all kinds of stuff like, oh, how am I going to make the terrain look right and all that kind of thing? Um, well, I mean, but, given, I mean, given at the time it was just flat tile stuff, so, right. you know. I'd say we're in the age of pixeliciousness, so it's, you it's could almost. Probably like, do it. You could reasonably do it in a couple months, I think. Yeah. With an experienced Unity developer, yeah. But do you think there's an audience for a game that's that's simple like that? Because I looked at some of this stuff that hasn't been touched in decades, and I mean, imagine like if nobody had made a Master of Orion clone since Master of Orion, right? Like there was Mu two, Mu three never happened, and uh, mm. and and that was it, right? And then you, you sit there and it's like, we want to make a game. What could we do? Like if you went back and grabbed Master of Orion two. Right, in, with that huge gap in between, because I look at the, there's so many games that have that gap that nobody's touched, and and there's like things from the arcade, you know, that, like ideas that that were cool, that it was solid stuff, but nobody's really done anything with it, and I wonder if the reluctance is is just like, well, it's already done, you know, like a, a bigger studio, you know, they they have to they have to get something that's like you know a triple A hit or. Because you can only sustain like one fail, right? And then you're out. Right. So, but it, but if you're making light, quick games that isn't like a big scary risk, because you know, and and you don't really bring the art. That that's a that's a thing too about this game uh, that I wanted to ask. That that kind of separate question. But at what point did you bring the art in? Because uh, you know, I I would have expected like you get into alpha or something, and you get the mechanics figured out and stuff, and then you spend the money on the art. Because if you if you put a lot of that was a problem that that 
game that I helped out with, they got the artist in first, right? <laughs> and it was like, let's do all this cool concept stuff. And then like half of it never made it into the game. So that was like a lot of money that got left. Uh, yeah. So. And that's, that's the case with every game, honestly. Like, you know, there's, there's always a graveyard of art and code that comes alongside any game of like, you know, all the failed ideas and concepts and things. Yeah. Um, but for Space Tyrant specifically, we actually got the art in really, really very early because the, the first, it was first Jeremy, then me, then Matt who's the artist. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it's like uh, if the artist is already there, then yeah. you might as well, because they're there. And it was, um, you know, honestly, we, we could have had him in later because we did get, get sidetracked in some of the early development of trying to get an art style when we hadn't figured out really what the design of the game yet was. So that's, that slowed us down during a key period. Um, but the, the side benefit of that is that now in the final product of the game, we have a very unified art theme that like spreads across the whole thing Mm. where, you know, you might or might not have gotten that otherwise. There's also uh, just kind of, we have a kind of a deep mind now of, of things that he had drawn over the last few years that uh, for the game that, you know, like maybe at one point a year and a half ago, we were like, Oh, there's no place for that. But now we're like, Oh wait, that would make for a cool explore card art, you know? And Mm. sometimes the art even describes some of the weird scenarios that, we come up with he'll draw some funny picture and they'll be like oh wouldn't that be funny if like this happened or that happened in, in an explorer or something yeah that was so. the the last batch of explorers matt just dug up 10 like interesting paintings and then we just made events for them oh cool yeah and it's 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 fun to i don't know yeah it's kind of fun to work that way it's a little retroactive kind of digging to like i don't know see what we can put to use but it's it's helped him get you know, feel better about, you know, not throwing away a ton of art and, uh, and it's allowing us to show off some of the cool stuff that he, he did that we, you know, might've just ended up in the graveyard. So. Yeah, it's definitely cool. I mean, whenever, you know, it's like if he took the time to make it, um, you know, find a place for it to live. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it can just be fun to, to, to do things that way. It's almost like, uh, getting into the glitchy sort of like accidental, uh, moments in in creating something where like oh this weird thing happened that I didn't mean to have happened and then you're like hey wait what if we take that and just kind of lean into it a little bit and make something cool out of it um, that can happen with art or just you know with, with other little you know unexpected uh, you know collisions in in mm. game systems and things you know yeah that happens a lot with our with our effects we'll we'll go in with one idea of like oh it'd be really cool if you could do it like this and. And then you're screwing around with the art of the particle system, and then it just does something completely random where you're like, what just happened? Well, that was cool. Let's just go with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love happy accidents. It's the best. That is awesome. Well, we need to start wrapping up. It's been almost two hours. And, you know, right. people well, aren't going to listen for this long if, if we keep going. <laughs> yeah, but if you guys want to just come back and hang out sometime, please cool do. Too. Please do. Our Discord is here for you. Uh, we love. Well, we get a couple shows with new guests, so you can just come back and we'll talk about. I don't know. I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, so oh, oh, here we go. So, folks, are again, you back now? We couldn't hear you for a while. Oh no! Again? Oh yeah. man, we can hear you just fine. That was weird. 
Oh, <laughs> sorry, some weird Discord issues. Anyway, folks, again, the game is Space Tyrant. It is currently in early access on Steam for 10% off, whatever that is in your currency. Uh, it should be in early access for just a bit longer. Apparently, it's, it's near 1.0, which is great. Um, but it is a randomly generated uh, space conquest game that has a lot of humor and a lot of character and is definitely worth uh, checking out. So uh, just a couple of programming notes before we wrap up. Next week on the show, it's an early show because one of the guests is in England. We're going to be talking about the top-down, crafty, buildy, shooty game Space Impossible. Uh, we're going to have them on the show next week. Uh, it's going to be fun. I, I wish I could be here for it, but it would I, be impossible. I but. know. Oh, oh. Ha, ha, ha. I got to work. I got to work in that I, time frame, but I, I really want to talk to these guys. I know, I know, but one of the guys is in England, so we had to do it well, at that time. He could move. I mean, I know plenty of people that are relocated. <laughs> and uh, on Thursday for our stream, it's our board game night, and Spaz, it's Star Realms? Is that the game Star we're playing? Realms. Star Realms. It's a card game, so uh, it's a two-player spacey card game that I am about to buy right now, actually, <laughs> on Steam. Uh and so that should be fun. It's apparently pretty quick playing. So yeah, that's what we have. Oh, and and for and don't forget, folks, Sunday, uh, the first uh, monthly me- MMO meetup with Earth and Beyond, uh, which you can play for free. You can download that with thanks to the uh, folks at the Earth and Beyond emulator, and um, you can totally play that. We're going to be playing starting Sunday at nine a.m. Uh, so that'll be fun. So that's what's coming up. Uh, so gentlemen. Uh, uh, Isaac and Dave, those are your names. Uh, thank you for thank you for joining us. Uh, it was really fun to talk to you about your game, uh, and your game is also really fun. So uh, yeah, Space Tyrant's a blast. Thanks for having yeah, us. I, I I do feel that you guys are kind of setting up a bad image for early access, though being so damn polished, because now people are going <laughs> to feel some sense of entitlement to that. Yeah, that, I hope people that, pick up on that. It's tough because so many early access games do well, and then they're on the other side of the coin. So many early access games don't. It's really a tough thing. It's a tightrope. You guys are walking a really, really thin tightrope very successfully. You know. Yeah, hopefully, Thank thanks. Yeah, hopefully it works out. We'll just we're just gonna ride it out and keep trying to kind of plug uh, good stuff into the game and yeah, just make it better. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's but, already uh, yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for uh, thanks. Thanks for having us, and uh, and cheers to you from the Tyrant Compound. <laughs> it's our pleasure. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Jim and Spaz, for hanging out and focus in the chat. Thank you for listening and watching, and we will see you next week. Have a great one. Good night. Yeah, you too. Good night.